When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's useful to posit a high, high good, to aim at it. So, and I, I really think that's practically useful too. The research we've done with the Future Authoring Program, for example, indicates pretty clearly that if you get people to conceptualize an ideal, and a, a balanced ideal, you know, so what do you want for your family, what do you want for your career, what do you want for your education, what do you want for your character development, how are you going to use your time outside of work, um, how are you going to structure your use of drugs and alcohol in places where you might get impulsive? How can you avoid falling into a horrible pit? If you really think that through and you come up with an integrated ideal and you, you put it above you as something to reach for, then you're more committed to the world in a positive way and you're less tormented by anxiety and uncertainty. And so, and that makes sense, right? Because here you are alive and everything. And so, Unless you were capable, if you're not capable of manifesting some positive relationship with the fact of your being, then how could that be anything other than hellish? Because you, it would just be anxiety provoking and terrible because you're vulnerable and there'd be nothing useful or worthwhile to do. Well, that's just not, I just can't see that as a winning strategy for anyone. You can make a rational case for adopting that strategy in that, you know, you can say, well, there's no evidence for for a transcendent morality or for an ultimate meaning. There's no hard empirical evidence. But it seems to me that there's existential evidence as well that has to be taken into account. And, and of course, psych psychologists have talked about this a lot. Um, Carl Rogers, for example, and Jung, for that matter, Freud, for that matter, most of the great psychologists have pointed out that, you know, you can derive reasonable information that's that's solid from your own experience especially if you also talk to other people and you can kind of see in your own life when you're on a productive path that sort of ennobles and enlightens you or a destructive path and i think it's kind of useful to think that maybe the dichotomy between those two paths might be real you know and and because that also allows you to give credence to your intuitions about that sort of thing but I don't, anyways, I don't think it's unreasonable to posit that since you're alive, adopting the highest possible regard for the fact that you're alive and that you're surrounded by other creatures that are alive, I just can't see how that can possibly be construed as a losing strategy. And so that's the first thing. So that's something like faith, right? It's faith, it's not, it's not only faith in your being, but it's faith in being as such. And the faith would be something like, if you could orient your being properly, then maybe that would orient you with being as such. And you never know. Like, I mean, it might be true. There's no reason to assume that it wouldn't be true. I mean, even if you just take a strict biological perspective on this and think about us as the product of three and a half billion years of evolution, I mean, we have struggled over all those billions of years to be alive and to match ourselves with reality. And so 
Because one of the things I've often wondered is, you know, life is definitely difficult. There's no doubt about that. And it's unfair and there's inequality and all of those things. And people are subject to all sorts of terrible things. But I also wonder if you weren't actively striving to make things worse, just how much better could they be? You know, because people are very, they're like houses that are divided amongst themselves. They're pointing in six different directions at the same time. They're working at cross purposes to themselves because of bitterness or be, and, and resentment and un, what, unprocessed memories and childhood hatreds and unexamined assumptions, all sorts of things. And you, you just got to wonder if you could push that aside and orient yourself properly. And then the other thing that, of course, is stressed very heavily in the Old Testament, and of course that goes through the entire biblical corpus is that it's not only enough to establish a positive relationship with being, which I think is the essential, it's a good description of faith. You have to make that decision, right? Because being is very ambivalent. And you can make the case that maybe it's something that should have never happened. But that doesn't seem to be productive to me. And faith seems to be, I'm going to act as if being is ultimately justifiable. And that if I partake in it properly, I will improve it rather than making it worse. So I think that's the statement of faith. And then what seems to go along with that is something like truth in conception and action. You know, even people like Jacob, who are pretty damn morally ambivalent to begin with, get hammered a lot by what they go through. And what seems to happen is that they're hammered into some sort of ethical shape, right? So by the midpoint of their life's journey, there's people who are solidly planted, who you can trust and who don't betray being or themselves or their fellow man. And so it's an interesting, I mean, it seems reasonable to me to first assume that you have to establish a relationship with something that's transcendent. It might even be just the future version of you. But, and then second, that you have to align yourself with reality in a truthful manner, and that that's your best bet. And the biblical stories are actually quite realistic about that too, because they don't really say that if you do that, you're going to be instantly transported to the promised land. Like even Moses, as we'll find out in the Exodus stories, he never makes it to the promised land. And so it's not like you're offered instantaneous final redemption if you move out forthrightly into the world, establish a faithful relationship with being and attempt to conduct yourself with integrity. But it's your best bet and it might be good enough. And even if it's not good enough, it's really preferable to the alternative, which seems to be something closely akin to hell, both personal and social. One of the indications that there's more to you is that you can be put more places and function properly. And that would be a good thing to aim at because here's the other issue, is that you know perfectly well that the fundamental tragedies of life and your exposure to malevolence in the course of that life, so those being the worst things, there's not a lot you can do to, to alter that fundamentally because they're conditions of existence. You're going to be subject to your vulnerability and you're going to be subject to malevolence. That's that. And you can't hide from it because it actually makes it worse. So you're stuck with it. So then the question is, well, what are your options? And one option is to curse the structure of being for being malevolent and tragic. 
and fair enough. Another is to make yourself so damn differentiated and dynamic and able that you're more than a match for that. Now, that's not an easy thing, but it doesn't matter because, like, what, what's the alternative? There's no good alternative, and that's also worth knowing. We know enough about psychology now to know that almost all of the positive emotion that you're going to experience in your life, and positive emotion is analgesic, by the way, right? It actually quells pain, so it's not just positive. It also gets rid of negative, which is a big plus. Almost all the positive emotion that you're going to feel, you're going to feel in relationship to a goal. Because you feel positive emotion as you approach a goal. And so if you want to feel positive emotion, then you need a goal. And then you might think, well, if you want to maximize that positive emotion, which is enthusiasm and also what pulls you out into the world, as well as feeling good, then you need the best possible goal. Well, that, because that's going to engage the largest segments of your being. Like if your goal is too narrow, then a bunch of you isn't going to be on board for it, you know? If the goal is well-developed and multifaceted, then all of you can partake in that. Even your negative elements, even your anger and, and, and your fear can get on board with that, let's say. So you need a goal, man, that's worthy. You've got to think. You, could, you need a goal that justifies the tragedy and malevolence of life. That seems to be the bottom line. Now, maybe you think, well, there's no goal that can do that. It's like, well... There are still better and worse goals. So, and I, I'm not convinced that there are no goals that can do that. I think that's an open question. You'd never know that until you pursued the proper goal long enough to find out who you would be as a consequence of pursuing it. So that's also your destiny or your existential voyage, right? It's also not something that anyone else can do for you. Someone can say, get your act together for Christ's sake and get, it, get, get at it. That's, that'll make the world unfold best for you, but... There's no way you can know that without doing it. So, and unless you think you've done a particularly stellar job of that, then you have no reason to doubt its potential validity.